Hello, and welcome to the HP Critical Podcast, the official podcast of HP Critical. I'm your host today, Marissa. I know you're not used to that if you've been listening along, but today I will be hosting this episode and be joined by Toby and David. Uh, so Game of Thrones wrapped up its final season. The last episode is out. The Iron Throne is claimed. Uh, and a lot of people have not been happy with season eight, in particular the finale, uh, which is what kind of brings our group together today. We will be discussing our thoughts on the final season, its highs and its lows, and ultimately our impressions of the final episode of Game of Thrones there will ever be. So first, let's talk our overall thoughts on the season as a whole with my good friend David. Hi guys. Um, Ooh, Game of Thrones final season as a whole. To quote the great Kit Harrington, disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> um, is this from a series you come to know and love to really like knock it out of the park with damn near every other episode for it to only be spectacular for one episode of its last season? It's really disappointing. And even some would say spectacular is a stretch. I love the, the Long Night battle episode yeah but i know certain people had different opinions um but yeah for me that was really the only episode that i thought was worth the hour and 20 minutes that it requested of me <laughs> it just seemed like so much of the other ones i was just wondering what was going on and why this was our last season of game of thrones mm-hmm. um it felt like it was just filler episodes because they didn't really know what to do or, like, they just didn't know what to do and just did stuff for the hell of it. And, I mean, I know we'll have our little talk of the finale itself momentarily, but, damn, that <laughs> finale itself. Yeah. They just, I feel like they just didn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so definitely, definitely some thoughts from David on season eight is being disappointed or disappointing. Uh, Toby, what did you think? Um, yeah, as a whole, um, I thought season eight was, it wasn't the worst, no, it was the worst season. It was the worst episode. <laughs> I was going to say, it wasn't the worst, but it was. Um, I enjoyed it in bits, but yeah, there wasn't enough parts or episodes of it that I enjoyed consistently to make it a good season. Um, yeah, there were certain bits they did well. But, yeah, there were certain bits, like David said, that just felt lazy and like they didn't think it through. Um, and I think with any with the amount of pressure they had anyway, I understand they probably would never have got an outcome for the whole season where everyone was going to be happy. But there were so many decisions that they made in where the characters went that you just thought, what? how has this happened and why is, why is, this, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, the standout episode for me was probably the the big battle one as well. The long um, night. Yeah, the long night. And then, although I didn't actually mind the one, the penultimate episode, and also the, the early two, although not a lot happened, they kind of set the pace a little nicely. Except I do think they peaked too early, again, which is what they always seem to do. Um, yeah. So as a whole, it was disappointing. There was some nice bits, but for its final season, it was a bit of a letdown. Yeah, I I do have to, because, you know, I had been watching the graph that uh, Rotten Tomatoes had been putting out uh, after each episode of how they kind of ranked together. And the first two were actually the highest, and the third one was, uh, you know, like, not the lowest, because it just kept kind of going down and down from there. <laughs> but um, I, I definitely agree with you guys that I feel like The Long Night was a really good episode. I think they did a really good job of capturing the hopelessness of that fight. You know, that this, if our main characters, if, you know, Daenerys's army, if the people of the North, if the wildlings, if they failed that this was it, you know, like that was the end of everything that they knew of. So I think that they did a really good job of kind of establishing that. Um, but yeah, after that, I felt like I really did just 
felt like it went downhill. Uh, <laughs> I I will say there were a couple of episodes. I rewatched episode five and episode six. Um, and when I did, I felt like I picked up on more of the emotions that I maybe didn't at first because my overall impression was just a little bit of disappointment. And then towards the end, a lot of frustration, you know, just not really what I expected direction wise. I realized that just like Toby said, with how much pressure and with what people were all expecting, you know, of course they couldn't make everyone happy, but there was just a lot of things that I felt didn't quite follow what they had set for us in the previous seasons. Um, you know, and I can't even remember what I would have thought was the worst episode up until this final season, because they were so good and they did all have powerful moments. You know, sure. There were slow times where they were walking and talking and everything, but even that was entertaining to watch. Yeah. I I'm definitely right in there with you guys of disappointment and frustration, but I did the second time going through already knowing that I was going to be frustrated. I did get some more of the emotions that were underlying. I know that Toby and I uh, actually all of us, we were having conversations about Sandor, uh, and the battle of the Clegane brothers. Like that was epic. Uh, it was sad. Uh, it made me realize I didn't know how much I loved the hound until that moment, but that was a beautiful moment wrapped up in a bunch of bullshit <laughs> in the last of, or not the last episode, but the one before that. So all right. Those are kind of our overall impressions. We were all pretty disappointed. Um, you know, Toby, not so much, but still saying that it was the worst season so far. Well, ever. <laughs> but yeah, no more so far. I know. <laughs> we'll see what happens with these spinoffs. Uh, but, you know, for now, definitely disappointing. Um, but let's go ahead and get to some of your guys's highs and your lows. You know, what were some of your favorite moments and then what were moments that you completely disliked or, you know, you felt just weren't very strong at all. Like, I want to know what are your takeaways? Um, like as far as highs, we're going for the long night. <laughs> I mean, like you said, they, they really captured that, like that, feeling of hopelessness. I mean, it ended with seemingly that Winterfell getting destroyed. This icy white dragon is just decimating things from the inside despite being half destroyed. It almost seems like everyone's dead. I left that episode not thinking anyone was alive. I mean, obviously no one was alive, but like the amount that actually made it out of there seemed like more than it actually would have been. Um, yeah, but yeah, that... What? I thought that as well, because a lot of yeah. times it was a really dark episode, so you couldn't really see yeah. who was dead and who wasn't. And then everyone that appeared at the end, I was like, well, I thought you were dead anyway, but now you're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like it seemed like from that first scene where those rocky fires went out, I expected this, them to have been wiped out. Yeah, you I know, really... The majority decimated yeah, I really thought that that was us getting the clue that all the Dothraki were dead. Like, donezo. And then we saw so much towards the other episodes. I was like, oh, I guess it wasn't that bad. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I will say that. Like, it seemed later, like, we got more Unsullied back because they made it through the lines at Winterfell and into the castle. Yet... You know, there are millions of them apparently hanging out by King's Landing, which I imagine not everyone was at Winterfell, but still, um, as far as lows, everything else. <laughs> well, okay, so let's, let's dissect that a little bit. Uh, what, what are the things that you thought were the most disappointing, whether it was specific episodes, whether it was just moments between characters, if it was writing or design or, you know, anything like that. Like I want to dissect that. Definitely a little bit. Writing for the characters. It just seemed like they spent all this time building up these fantastic characters who just got torn away so quickly. Like Tyrion was literally the most clever man in all of Westeros. So then just keep making dumb mistakes. John was this man of like duty and honor who just seemed like he had one thing on his mind from the moment, <laughs> you know, it, 
from that moment on, it was just my queen. Or, you know, <laughs> someone like Danny, who was also very, like, honor and duty and free the people to just, within, like, almost a split second, switch that up. It just seemed like character motivations and, and traits and actions and consistencies were, like, not there for, like, a lot of characters, which seemed like the most disappointing to me. Mm-hmm. They just seem to be acting very out of character for how they have been the past eight years. And a lot of the um, a lot of the bigger deaths, I think, were quite disappointing. In particular, Cersei's death was awful for me. Yeah. That was disappointing. Um, and even, to be fair, it's the final episode again. Even Daenerys is... Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, death <laughs> was not uh, great either. Um, and yeah, everything was just really inconsistent, like David said. Like the character arcs were just not, they didn't fit with the way they'd been portrayed the whole entire duration of the seven previous seasons. Mm-hmm. One of the, on a positive note, one of the scenes that I really liked was probably the, um, when Arya and John got reunited and they were like that was really pretty and like I thought all the like the dragon stuff and all the CGI special effects and stuff like the dragon fights looked amazing like they looked so good you could tell they'd obviously blown 95 million or whatever it was on the CGI rather than the fighting side essentially Yeah, so why why don't we talk about the writing a little bit more? Because I know that that's not only been a complaint for us here, you know, the three of us, but just kind of in a whole, you know, if you go on Twitter, if you really talk to any fan who is disappointed with the season, the first thing they kind of bring about is the writing. I know that just like Toby had said, I was really disappointed, not just by Cersei's death, But I think the thing that made episode five so lackluster to me is that we've seen Cersei be this, not just evil, because I feel like that doesn't do her character justice, but she's been so cunning. She's been very clever. She's set traps. She's actually even been kind of ironic and poetic sometimes with the way that she has sought revenge against the people who have hurt her. Um, you know, one of the things that I know David and I were talking about was that sort of kiss of death uh, that she gave to one of the final snakes, uh, the three sisters from Dorne, you know, after her own daughter had been killed in the same exact way, that was how she sought revenge. So to just have her sit in the red keep, drinking wine, talking about, oh yeah, my scorpions got this. Oh yeah. The iron fleet, like they can handle themselves and there's really nothing else. There was no other additional trap. There was no other hidden thing up her sleeve. I'm, I'm totally okay with her kind of being taken aback and underestimating Daenerys but I don't think she would have to this level. And the weirdest thing about that was we saw these green explosions coming from King's Landing, which we know is a signature of Cersei's. You know, that's how she kind of closed out season six. <laughs> like to not have that address, to not have it have any sort of impact, like it, it falls really flat for me. And then especially the way that she died. I mean, this has been one of the most ruthless characters in all of Game of Thrones. I mean, even Joffrey, when he was finally dying from poison, I mean, I think we all got this satisfaction seeing this horrible, horrible kid (laughs) choking to death on his own blood and spit and vomit, you know, like we didn't get that for Cersei. Not that that's the way I would have, you know, had her go out, but certainly not the way she did. So what have been some of the other things in terms of writing, you know, with characters, with these final send-offs of these people that we've spent the last eight and nine years with? You know, and not to like derail that, but going back to what you're saying of like, just these things that are left unexplained, just tiny little nuances of details that they ended up tossing in there that just never got revisited. Seemed like a lot of what was happening here. Mm-hmm. But character-wise, um, 
I would kind of say to a certain extent, like Danny, because like everything up until that previous episode has just been the fixation on King's Landing and getting the Iron Throne and taking the Red Keep. And it just seemed very out of character that the very second she gets there, now there's there's talk of beyond King's Landing and the Red Keep because like in theory, liberating King's Landing and the Red Keep is getting all of it at once. It's not a matter of going to Winterfell or Dorne because you now have these things. So it just seemed like an odd way to try to reinforce her madness. And, you know, like, as far as like omissions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of felt a bit, um, like the, um, unsullied. The Grey Worm, is his name Grey Worm? Yes. Yeah. He went a bit mouldy in the end, like, he was obviously from that group of really heavily oppressed bunch of them. And then as soon as, like, Daenerys obliterated the whole town, I know he was obviously loyal to her and she was his queen, um... But he was like proper standoffish with John and like all there was like no compassion for the other people that they just killed. Um which I found odd considering where they came from. Which I guess is the same thing as actually Daenerys, to be fair. <laughs> A lot of lot of the um the character issues for me did stem around Cersei and Daenerys. The rest of them kind of seemed consistent, not as obviously flawed in the last season. Yeah, because I know that um, you said that you weren't as crazy about like Daenerys's character. Because I know that like David and I like we love Daenerys. We were so about her. Like, so how did that for you? Who you know, you didn't feel like she was everything in terms of not just setting people free, you know, I think that you kind of saw that, yeah, she's still in a ter- in a sense kind of wanted conquest just because she did want to gather people and take them to Westeros. So what did that kind of feel for you, Toby? Like when you saw this kind of madness start to take over, when you saw how she behaved once she got to King's Landing, like how did that feel for you since you weren't strictly like Camp Daenerys? Yeah, I wasn't her biggest fan. Um, I mean, I should explain. I wasn't like, I was a very casual Daenerys fan in that I never, I never really thought that she should have got the throne because of how she had spent so long getting the army and, uh, she'd had all that time building up all these troops and stuff. And I don't know, I just thought it was going to be too much of an obvious choice for her to then just get the throne. But, um, in the way it went, I can see, I can definitely see why people who were kind of fans of the character would be annoyed in her just going mad and stuff. And yeah, switching it up right at the end. Um, for me, it just kind of made it easier for me to dislike her as a character because I didn't really agree with some of the things she did later on in the seasons. But I think in the earlier seasons, she was a lot easier to bond with or like as a character. But for me, I found she became a bit of a tyrant towards the end and she showed a lot less compassion towards other people and she basically just burned anyone that didn't kneel to her, which was mouldy. And then if she didn't have those dragons, she would be nothing. And she relied so much on those dragons and then when two of them went, like, I don't know, it was a, it was a, it was a bad way for her to go. Um, and I feel bad for her as a character, but I guess from a personal point of view it just made me easier to not want her to claim that throne and dislike her okay um do you feel like you ever kind of saw this madness earlier on or just no just didn't really agree that she should have the throne no i wouldn't say i didn't i don't think she ever showed i didn't get any sign of madness not in that sense i would have always thought it should be there for the people in that not willing to obliterate an entire city in an instant. <laughs> um, no, I don't think I did. Whether that's my perception, though, I am, 
I can be a bit dense sometimes. So <laughs> no, 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 no. On the other but I, oh yeah, I think it was it was a bit of a random direction. Um, and judging from like you said, people on social media and the reaction from other fans, it's not been something that anyone expected. So um, I guess even though I wasn't a fan, I'm not alone in that. For sure, for sure. Um, so why don't we go back to something that you brought up, David, that there were a lot of these little hints of bigger things going on that never really fully got realized. Um, cause I know that personally, one of the things that I noticed when I rewatched episode five was that Varys was talking to this girl who worked as part of the kitchen staff. And when he was checking up on Daenerys, one of the things that she mentioned is, no, she's not eating anymore, which made me think, oh my God, was Varys trying to poison her? And we didn't even spend any amount of time on that. I think it was so subtle that even if that is what they were trying to insinuate, it still feels very like guesstimate-y, you know, that like, I don't even know if it is right for me to assume that maybe he was trying to poison her because I felt like there wasn't really any other evidence of it other than that's kind of odd that he's asking if Daenerys is eating or not, you know, cause at that point, I think we kind of all felt he didn't really necessarily care about her health at this point. He already kind of switched over to camp John. Uh, <laughs> so what were some of the other things that kind of stuck out to you guys about either things that didn't get realized or that when you watched in season eight started to make sense in an overall picture? So definitely a lot more on the side of stuff that just never got realized. And even with Varys himself, the note that he wrote that seemed to have been alerting people of John's heritage that I guess he burned and never sent, they seem to have played some sort of significance to Varys removing the jewelry from his hands and putting them in that little tub because they emphasized that. And I don't know, I kind of thought maybe that was correlated to how Joffrey was poisoned by Elena with that like poison hidden in the jewel and her necklace but that never really went anywhere either um you have that really gorgeous and seemingly like religiously signified scene at the end of the, the penultimate episode where Arya is like leaving the rubble and then this horse of like pure white comes up to her which yeah. seems to play into a, a, a passage from Revelation um, you know, equating her to being like one of the force horsemen of the apocalypse being death. And that just didn't go anywhere. Um, kind of like how you mentioned with the wildfire that was very clearly located in certain buildings, that didn't go anywhere. Um, and kind of, I think the biggest thing that never really went anywhere, which was the biggest surprise, I guess, of season seven was John's lineage didn't go anywhere. John being a Targaryen, being Aemon Targaryen was really useless. Didn't even matter. Marcel like, not been revealed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It might not have even been revealed. Like he could have very well have been Ned Stark's bastard and it didn't matter. Mm. It wasn't like he was made a Stark or made a Targaryen like officially. It just was a useless plot point that never was realized. Besides getting told to us. Yeah. And I guess it was a clear indicator when Rand told him, it's your choice to tell him or not. Clearly he was hinting, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> and then they didn't really elaborate on when the fact that like, they made a deal, a, kind of made a thing of us knowing that Daenerys now knew that she had been betrayed, um, airmark, quote commas, by certain people because of them knowing about his lineage, but then that really went nowhere. Like, literally, it wouldn't have mattered if she'd known or not. That was just left in the air. And, like, I don't know if it was something that I missed along the way or um, something, but I still feel like they left the whole Bran and the Night King connection very loose. Like, after the Night King and the White Walkers were dead... It was as if they were just like, right, they're dead, there you go. We've been waiting for all this build-up for all, the, all those years. And then one little stab from Arya, and there you go, he's dead. Um, and then there was no, like, why did he want to kill Bran? Was it because he wanted to get his powers? Was it because, like, he wanted to, like, I don't know. I feel like that was slightly unexplained, but I don't know if that's because I missed something along the way because 
sometimes I do get super confused with the connections and all the little plots in Game of Thrones. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I mean, if you missed it, then I missed it too. But then there's also the fact, because I know, didn't he touch one of the Godswood trees and then the Night King was able to see him? Mm-hmm. Like, they were somehow connected through his yeah. visions at one point, yeah. and that was never really explained. And then it seemed, I almost thought for a second that maybe the Night King has Targaryen heritage because he couldn't have been burned alive by Drogon. Mm-hmm. And that seemed to have a significance as he looks at her like, ha you thought, and then <laughs> nothing really happened with that. You're right, we spent all this buildup of the Night King and just... He's dead. All right, cool, guys. Pack it up. Yeah. Yeah. Point of explaining in the previous seasons how the White Walkers came to be as well. And that was something that Bran saw, wasn't it? And then um, also something really random that I can't remember who it was, but um, another friend pointed out to me, what was with the weird chair moving in the last episode? Why did they, whoever it was they like randomly moved the chairs like in a different position? Oh, like, Tyrion. Was it Tyrion? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He just randomly moved the chairs. I don't know why he moved the chairs. No, I I remember. I can't say what episode it was. Um, you know, I'm not an encyclopedia of Game of Thrones, but I do remember that when Tyrion was part of that council with Cersei and they were actually serving their father at that point. Um, he did have almost kind of like an obsessive compulsion about the positioning of the chairs and he wanted everything to be perfect. So I think it kind of takes us back once again to square one of he still has these traits and he still wants this to be kind of like the perfect King's landing and the perfect council that it had been. Um, you know, even though they're basically starting fresh, brand new King, brand new, everyone on the council, you know, so I do think it was definitely kind of going back to something that was mentioned earlier. Cause I know that I was talking to a friend, uh, who was like, wait, why the fuck does Arya want to go west? <laughs> you know, like once once we found out kind of everyone's plans after the final episode and where they wanted to go and what they wanted to do. Um, but then I remembered that she did, in fact, talk about it a little bit earlier on in the series, that she was interested in what was west of Westeros. So it's not like it's necessarily out of left field, but more than anything, I'm like, so everything that we've just done and accomplished and she's just like i'm out <laughs> like and honestly Arya, same like i'm out too but <laughs> um so there were a couple of moments that did go back and pay special attention to what has happened in the past and in a way some characters did remain true to themselves you know so that whole reorganizing of the chairs and everything was um an aspect of Tyrion kind of remaining the same through everything that he's been through, through all of his travels. Um, but I mean, even, even then I just had issues <laughs> with the writing and some of the things that didn't get left or didn't get explained and was just kind of left. You know, again, I feel like there was so much to di- dissect around Varys towards the end. You know, and I, I do feel like having something a little bit more with the White Walkers and the Night King, I think one of the things that infuriated me the most is that Game of Thrones had been so good up until that point of always delivering a twist or something we didn't expect, but in a good way. You know, even when it's been horrible events like the Red Wedding, you know, things that we weren't necessarily expecting, things that we didn't necessarily want, but they were so good for the story that you couldn't look away. One of those things for me was the crypt. You know, we, we've seen Sam and John and a lot of the other Night's Watch kind of deal with this whole, we're fighting the undead. We're fighting the white walkers. We have to prepare. We need dragon glass. We need Valerian steel. We need fire, you know? And so a a lot of them already kind of knew what to expect in terms of how to fight them. And I think we saw towards the end, um, 
you know, that, I mean, they could raise the dead. So it seems really, really, really strange that nobody picked up on the dangers of being in the crypt. Uh, you figure you've got Tyrion on the side of let's fight these White Walkers. You have Sam, you have John that have experience fighting them and nobody thought of that. And so I kept thinking, well, maybe this is one of their clever ways of, you know, writing in some sort of twist that we don't expect. Maybe they have prepared something. Maybe there is some sort of safety measure that they put into effect that they didn't show on screen. And so we're going to see like this sort of epic. Yeah, they're raising the dead. Oh, but we have a counter to it. So don't worry, guys. But it no, it just ended up being this mass killing because not a single person thought of how dangerous it would be to hold all of the innocents and the women and the children and those that couldn't fight down in the crypt. Like it seems so out of character. And I realized they were trying to make it seem like Tyrion was slipping up and he wasn't making the best decisions as hand to the queen. But even then, I mean, that just, seems like something he would have figured out just with the nature of them being undead. But yeah, I don't know if there's anything else that you guys kind of felt in terms of, you know, things that either got missed that shouldn't have been things that could have been explained better. Um, well, even then, I was with the crypt as well, but, um, so yeah, it does seem like a bit of a silly choice for them to go down there. Definitely. <laughs> when they knew what the walkers could do, but, um, also like in that scene, like there was a part where, um, Sansa and Tyrion, it looked like they were about to, you know, go kick some ass and like get their weapons ready. And then they just stayed hidden. Like they were just like, Oh, let's go do stuff. But, but no, we're just going to stay behind this crypt and then hide. Didn't understand that either, but. I will say that was a little weird because they have at times given Tyrion, like, these little weird moments of him being heroic. Like, he even said, like, they won the Battle of Blackwater Bay because of Tyrion. He did pick up a weapon. There have been times where he has tried to fight. That would have seemed like a great opportunity to, like, throw in more of that Tyrion, you know, not being a coward. And then Arya, doesn't Arya hand Sansa a dragonglass dagger before she goes down there? yeah. So you were armed and prepared to technically deal with this, but you just cowered behind a rock. Wait. Yeah. Didn't she show up a period? Yeah, I think she did. So you knew what you had and you knew what you could do to kill him, but you just still hid. Yeah, I feel like it was definitely some missed opportunity for either a turn or a twist we weren't expecting, or at least to kind of give a heroic moment to someone down there as opposed to, I, I assume that just kind of with the rest of the episode, they were trying to build this fear of, Oh my God, Sansa could die. Oh my God, Tyrion could die. But even then it just wasn't there because by the time that you saw that the white walkers were just running through the crypt, killing people, you were almost like, really? Nobody, not a single person down here thought this was a bad idea. Not, no, just no thought about that whatsoever. Okay, sure, I guess. <laughs> Alrighty, so let's go ahead and start to get into the final episode in particular and how we all felt about it. I think we kind of kicked this off with getting David's impressions of the season as a whole, so we'll start again with you, David. Um, As far as that finale specifically goes, Really underwhelming. I had kind of like held on to this hope that at some point the finale would have redeemed itself somehow. I should have known better. <laughs> but it didn't. It just, it just seemed like a lot of, of strange moments, things that just kind of dragged on, a lot of dead air. And when we had like a solid two minutes, Tyrion just walking through the rubble of what was King's Landing to then walk up to Danny and renounce his title as hand. Which, I'm a little surprised she didn't kill him immediately. Yeah. Well, not that I would have well, wanted, I, not that I would have wanted him to die immediately, but I kind of would have been okay with that. 
I would have been like, all right, because you know what? You have kind of messed up a lot for her. And now you want to renounce your title. All right, that's it. You're done. Your, your cards have been punched, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it just seemed like a lot of just random actions and nothing that was really connected to give it a complete story for that final episode. Like, oh my. then after that, John just kind of meanders over to Danny and there goes Danny. And then flash forward three weeks. It just, I would have much rather the conclusion of that episode have been Danny dying than kind of getting some of the other stuff they gave us. Mm-hmm. It was, it really wasn't like satisfying to know that Bran became king. Yeah. <laughs> Even after Danny died, there was still like 40 minutes left of the episode. And by that point, yeah. they killed like, Literally all of, nearly all of the main cast, bar the young kids. I'm going to just call them young kids because it's easy to put them down as what they what they were. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, they killed them off, and then I just didn't care in that half. Like as soon as, even though I didn't like Daenerys as such as a character all the time, as soon as she was dead, I literally just couldn't care less about the others. I think I don't really realize like a glue those three characters were for the show. And I don't think killing them all off was a good choice at, at all. Like, definitely not. Well, and it's not how they did it. Yeah. Um, and I think, too, like that, that when when they did kill her and we already knew that Cersei was dead, that really did just take all of the conflict out. You know, because now we know that Daenerys isn't going to try and kill Jon because she can't. You know, we knew that there wasn't going to be some miraculous moment of, oh, my God, Cersei made it out and she's coming back for the throne while, you know, everyone's kind of weakened by Daenerys's death. You know, there is no conflict there. So I think what it kind of did is that although it does leave room for them to wrap it up with a resolution of, you know, okay, so we've had our climax and now we're just kind of like slowly petering down to what life in Westeros is going to be now that we have determined that the person on the Iron Throne isn't going to be Danny. But yeah, killing her in like the middle of the episode really did just kind of leave it feeling flat the rest of the way, because you know that she's not going to attempt to take the throne. You know that she's not going to kill off John, which everyone had been building up to, you know, you had Varys warning him. You had Sansa warning him. You had Tyrion warning him. You had Arya warning him. You had all of these people saying that Daenerys will only see you as a threat. She's only going to kill you. That is the only outcome that is going to happen. And he walks into that throne room and she turns and she smiles at him and she wants to build this new world with him. There isn't this threat of death. I realize that, yeah, if given more time, they could have built up to that where sure, maybe at first she wants to have John as an ally by her side and then that changes. But really what just ended up happening is that she still loved him at the end and he took advantage of that and killed her, you know, and it did really kind of make it fall flat. I think that a lot of people were kind of expecting for there to be a fight that there was going to be like maybe an assassination attempt that gets thwarted or that Danny catches on or she knows not to trust John at this point in Tyrion so that she keeps herself more guarded. But instead she's just like, Oh no, come over. Let's, you know, let's try and patch up our relationship. Oh, that feels like a sword in my heart. So never mind. I guess that's not how that's going to happen, but <laughs> it definitely, I feel like that made the episode fall pretty flat you know like you said Toby I mean it it was surprising how much of really just kind of like glue that Cersei and Daenerys and Jon all vying for the throne even though Jon didn't want it you know a lot of people still thought for sure he was going to get it so once you took them out like it just felt like it fell flat but Let's talk about who, quote unquote, won the Iron Throne. What do you guys think of our new king, Bran the Broken? No, no that's what I mean. 
That was like a joke outcome. Of all the outcomes that could have happened, that was one that I joked about and everyone else jokes about happening. Like, he just doesn't do anything. <laughs> He's got, like, no personality. And, like, I just... Oh, I would have preferred it if Daenerys had got the throne over Bran. Just... There was just no, no, yeah, I just don't like it. I can't even explain why I hate it so much. I just really hate that they went for Bran. And it was such like, it was like an easy, non-obvious route that they could have took. And they, like you said, there was no way. And the only biggest surprise in the, in the whole of that episode was the fact that there wasn't any. For like a split second when, <laughs> when Daenerys were like embracing and you, you saw like the, the uh, of the of the stab, I was like, okay, so who's dead? Like, I mean, it's obviously Daenerys, but maybe it is John. But that was literally a split second in my heart. I knew it wasn't John. But apart from that, yeah, like they picked the most unlikeliest, likeliest king in the end, and it was just it was such a letdown for him being king. With Sansa being queen of the north, that was fine because I quite like Sansa. She's always been one of my faves. But Bran King, no, 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 no. <laughs> It just for me, it seemed really out of character for him to be king. Even the way he said, "Like, why do you think I'm here?" seemed out of character. Like that almost sounded really cocky. Like, "Bitch, I'm here, aren't I?" Like, I didn't. Have I have arrived. Come. Like, yeah, can't walk, but someone wheeled me here. <laughs> it's just, I'm like. Oh. He's been the three-eyed raven, but we haven't actually seen any benefit to him being three-eyed raven besides, like, occasionally warging or, like, random visions that he really can't control very well. I don't know if I want a telepath leading my nation. This is the NSA. <laughs> I know. So, <laughs> it's like a very big brother kind of choice, which is kind of crazy yeah. when you think about it. I know that for me... Again, I think it's another missed opportunity in the writing, perhaps. Um, so we've established through eight seasons that Bran can see the past, that he can see the future. You know, granted, I don't know how far he can see the future. I don't think it was anything that ever got defined. But we also know that he can take over the bodies of creatures and of people. So to me, I'm like, this guy just mind fucked everyone into giving him the throne. He could have warned about King's Landing and warned about Danny. You know, he could have said something or done something and he didn't. And so now he's our king. Like, I feel like maybe if they would have had a moment either where we saw Bran alone kind of either chuckling to himself over that worked, you know, at least we would have realize that maybe that was a sinister twist. Cause again, I, if that's what they want us to think, cause I know for me, it's Canon now, like, I'm sorry if nobody else feels that way, but to me, that's Canon is that he just basically arranged it so he could be King. But even if it's not, and he, it, and he was just like the best choice for the people, you know, that of all the people there that he was the most innocent and would want good for the people. I don't buy it. I think the other thing, too, that was crazy about that scene is so, like, these seven families, these lords and ladies, let Tyrion decide. He's just been taken prisoner for betraying Danny, essentially, and talked John into killing Danny. And instead of us seeing really any type of communication between the families of another viable choice, they just all turn to Tyrion to be like, well, then what would you choose? Bitch! Like, <laughs> he's in chains. Like, why does he get to choose? You know? <laughs> Again, I realize that it plays up his intelligence as a character, but to me, it is so he weird. Been very, very intelligent up until that moment. I know, right? <laughs> But um, it is it's so weird to me that there wasn't even more of a discussion. You know, 
I I realized when they had Sam talking about a democracy that it probably wasn't going to happen because even I was I think I was typing you at that point being like really Sam this is fantasy like we don't want democracy we want a king and so having everyone kind of laugh at that like I expected it um, I didn't really think that they were going to kind of go that route you know just it really shocked me I guess that they let Tyrion decide who is going to be king. I know that they took a vote, but I mean, even then they still let themselves be talked into it by Tyrion. Yeah. And again, I'm just like, I don't, I am totally in agreement with you. I do not know about this telepath dude just being our king now, where he can literally read your thoughts and be like, "Mm, I heard that you're thinking bad things about me. I'm going to throw you in jail if he wanted to, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Ran for king, I would never have expected. And it wasn't even really a twist that I felt like a lot of people thought was like, oh, wow, that was unexpected and really cool. You know, my reaction was the same as Toby's. When they started saying I to voting into Bran, I was just like, no. And I just like leaned back like, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um like expression as well. Like they gave him like... There's no, you never know if he's happy, if he's sad, if he's angry. He's always just blank. And I guess that's part of his three-eyed ravenness. But like David said, what did that even mean? We literally never got an explanation of what the hell that meant and the bloody tree. And like, ugh. <laughs> like, it makes no sense for him to be king. Absolutely none. And I was a little surprised, like you said, Zoe, that there was no actual surprises. Mm. I was waiting for something. Anything happened to be like, oh, yeah, we can redeem this episode. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe this episode isn't so bad, but now it is. <laughs> I honestly thought Drogon setting the Iron Throne on fire. I don't know, like a small slither of me hoped there might have been something inside the, the Iron Throne. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Yeah. And Joe Kazooie just pops out. Tune in next week for our Nintendo theme podcast. <laughs> Great segue. Apparently, all the um, the the Game of Thrones geek lords of the realm have informed me that because I didn't know this that the the actual throne was made by dragon breath or something, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So Dragonfire supposed to be symbolic of that when they burned that thing. So I guess that was pretty cool. One one slightly cool thing. But, yeah, there wasn't really any surprises with that. Not really. So now that we've talked about this final episode uh, in more length and our feelings of Bran uh, being king, <laughs> our feelings about Daenerys's and Cersei's end, I I kind of want to go back and see how you guys feel. The story really got put back to square one. You know, we saw just another normal day in Westeros after all of this. We've seen that dragons do still exist after so many stories of, no, they're all died out, they're gone. We've seen that there's an army of undead and that, yeah, even though we defeated them, we act like, oh, well, really, it's nothing. <laughs> we now have a king who can see past, present, future and control beings, and it's just another day in Westeros. So I kind of want to get your guys' opinions on how you feel about that in terms of taking everyone back to square one with this final episode. How do you feel it affects kind of Game of Thrones as a whole? You know, and maybe some of the other things that you would have wanted to see. I honestly think it's a disservice that it started right where we began. And it ended right where we began. And it will kind of invalidate you're right, everything we learned and everything that happened in the whole series. It was just another day in Westeros, another day in King's Landing, another council meeting, and now we have these new council members who almost don't seem too beneficial for the realm to start off with. You know, we have Sir Davos there, which, you know, one of the most upstanding people in Westeros at this point. Then you have Bronn sitting across from him, Master of Coin, who's more concerned about building brothels and getting them back up and running. Yeah, I think that, too, was one of the things that stuck out to me the most. Um, 
you know, here we kind of started out our journey at least in terms of Daenerys, and we watched her grow and continue to set people free and wanting to break the wheel. And even the thing that Tyrion talked about is that this is what Danny accomplished, is that the wheel is broken. We're now choosing kings in a different way. And how many generations are going to go by before, you know, these seven lords and ladies um, start to elect leaders that just benefit them? So I feel like as a whole... Absolutely nothing was accomplished. At this point, like, why did we spend the last eight years watching Daenerys cross over into Westeros to try and take the throne to break the wheel? Why did we watch Jon Snow really come into himself as a leader? Uh, you know, not ever really wanting power, but just wanting to do what was best in the moment and wanting to try and achieve the most in terms of we've got these white walkers, we've got to align ourselves with the wildlings, we need to kind of look over our past with them and our conflicts, you know, I mean, he led so many different groups of people just the same way as Daenerys did. They, they brought so many people together that the world has never seen happening before in terms of Westeros, you know, groups that would have never come together and banded together and worked together. I mean, even Jamie going north to fight the White Walkers with them, you know, how many of us would have ever thought that a Lannister and the Starks would have like teamed up in this kind of a way, you know, so just to kind of like have John exiled and lead pretty much nothing. I know he's leading the Night Watch, but what do they even fucking do now? <laughs> what are they watching? Come on. <laughs> They're going to just start counting I mean, the amount of snowflakes that are falling to see. Is this more winter or less winter? <laughs> right, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, but I think it does kind of suck that we saw that there was this liberation and whether you necessarily agreed with Danny or not, I mean, she was giving people the choice and sure towards the end, she was just burning people who didn't bend the knee to her. But usually when it was in terms of the slavers, uh, when it was in terms of the death Rocky, she did kind of leave it as a, you don't have to follow me, but if you do, we're going to go to Westeros and take the Iron Throne, um, kind of a thing, you know, and people did decide to follow her. So just that now everything's kind of back to the way it was. And, you know, there's, it just felt like there was no resolution. Why did we watch all of this happen if it was just going to go back to the way things were? Yeah. Yeah. And validated everything that had ever happened. I mean, now they don't have a, a White Walker threat, I guess. They're gone. Mm-hmm. Completely. I mean, they don't and, have any now, apparently, because everyone's dead. No yeah, threat. that too. Huh. Not even the Wildlings are really a threat anymore. Yeah, exactly. They're all BFFs. And um, I think I was thinking, like, as a whole, in, on, on the silver lining note, I would rather have had like seven consistently good seasons um, that were really good and one mediocre, flat, disappointing one rather than like the other way around, seven really bad ones and one explosive, amazing one. Um, yeah. So in that sense, I would it's good in that way. So it, for me, it hasn't really... I'm just pretending that season didn't happen, basically. <laughs> it hasn't really dampened the rest of it. If I just pretend that didn't happen and it ended at Series 7... It's fine. It does leave it a bit hanging, but it's better than what it ended with in actual how they ended it. I definitely agree with you, Toby. I would have much rather just like one crappy season than, you know, what we have. But I wish the crappy season would have been like season two, you know, still yeah. figuring out our, our rhythm here. Not, oh, crap, you just shot a plane out the sky. It's called Game of Thrones, but it's trash to burn. <laughs> Yeah, I will, I will say that definitely the first seven seasons were amazing. And so even in retrospect, it was a hell of a ride. There were so many amazing things that happened. It, it did take a lot of twists and turns that I don't think anyone was expecting. Um, you know, for it being television, was explosive. You felt like you were watching multiple mini movies, you know, like 
the quality was so good. The writing was so good. You know, these characters were so believable. I can't even say that I 100% hate Cersei because not only was she acted in this way that you could, you could empathize with her. You know, there were these moments where you saw her kind of be weak and just human, but then, huh? Apart from the incest, kind of sort of. Well, I mean, sure. Um, but you know, I mean, just as like a person, you saw that it wasn't just evil for the sake of being evil. There was a drive behind it. And even though some of her actions even led her own children to their deaths and then even, you know, her youngest son killing himself, like that is so crazy and so twisted, but it was so good. And, you know, such an amazing part of that season you know so it it is definitely disappointing that it fell so flat um I think that we could have definitely seen a better end for some of the characters you know I do feel like a lot of the characters that met their end in episode three uh the long night you know I mean I love me some Lady Mormont uh, from the moment she stepped on the screen, like I was so behind her and they gave her a warrior queen's death, you know, like that is the way that I would have expected her to go out. No, I didn't want her to die, but I feel like they did her justice. So to have you go from that where it's heartbreaking and you don't want it, but at the same time, you know, that it's a good death to go to a roof caving in on Cersei and, you know, even though Daenerys kind of already hinted that she no longer trusted Jon Snow to just, you know, let herself be alone with him and just kind of in love with him again, you know, also feels like it's not really the death that she necessarily deserved. Um, you know, don't even get me started on Miss Sunday. Like, <laughs> um, you know, but I, I do definitely agree with you that it's much preferable to have had seven amazing seasons and one really bad one. I just wish that it wasn't the last one. <laughs> that was so yeah. bad. Yeah, I can do that, definitely. I picked the worst one to be the last, the worst one to be the bad one. <laughs> well, um I think that's about it. We went over the season as a whole. We talked about our highs and our lows. We talked about the last episode and our thoughts on King Bran. Uh, is there anything else you guys kind of want to wrap up? You know, things that you didn't get to talk about, things you wish you would have seen, things that you did like, you know, what What are your guys' final thoughts as we wrap this episode up? I mean, as a whole, I still love Game of Thrones. Yes. It's kind of encouraged me to want to rewatch it to just kind of look at some of the subtle nuance of, of the series. Um, I don't know. Maybe their takeaway is just everything is awful and goes back to the way it was. <laughs> and nothing really matters. Yeah, it might be. There you go. <laughs> Message um, of Game of Thrones. None of it really mattered. <laughs> it was a game, turns out. So <laughs> at the end of the day, <laughs> uh, it's now on my So it's just a game. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Overall, still love Game of Thrones. Just gonna pretend that last season didn't really happen apart from a couple of, like I said a couple of the beginning episodes I were fine I didn't mind the first couple and obviously the long night was awesome um, I also would like to just say I was very heartbroken when Grey Worm's little girlfriend got beheaded can't remember her name Miss Sunday yeah her didn't like that I was like no nah. <laughs> <laughs> I felt really sad but yeah apart from that it didn't happen <laughs> this this final season ever happened <laughs> we'll never talk about it again no and I know that overall a lot of my opinions have been negative uh one of the things that I will say oh my god the music was amazing I've literally been listening to it over and over and over yeah. again uh, <laughs> you know there were there were some moments that did hold value to me and that I did love and I was glad that you know, they were in there. Um, I especially loved Brienne's kind of sign off to Jamie at the end. Um, I know that it's now become this massive meme of her <laughs> writing in a diary. You know, I do think that they ended that kind of sweetly. 
I'm curious to know what everyone else's thoughts are on this final season. Uh, you know, if you were disappointed, why? If you were satisfied, then yeah, let us know. But that's our thoughts on the finale and the final Game of Thrones season that there will ever be until we start to get these spinoffs. So thank you guys for listening. David, Toby, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. And that will bring us to the end of it. Thank you guys again so much for listening and have a wonderful day. Yeah.